Welcome to episode 210 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbuehl, and today my special guest is In The Money Media's very own Eric Solomon. Me and Eric go over three races from this past Saturday at the fairgrounds. Those races were 4, 9, and 14. And some angles that we talked about are how Benji Starr, coming off of a key race, had pretty good value in the fourth. And how looking at previous derby prep races had the Remsen looking like a better race than the Jockey Club. This is Red Board Rewind. Welcome in my special guest for this week's edition of Redboard Rewind, someone who I've had on plenty of times, someone that we love to hear and read about within the money media. It's Eric Solomon. Eric, how are you? I'm doing great, Spencer. How are you? Glad to have you back aboard. We're going to talk. These are good mom myth with me and you, but obviously they're not running right now. So we're going to talk some fairgrounds action. And of course, like I was telling you off air, because we uh, we decided to figure this out middle of last week on if we could have you on or not, it rained. And that seems to happen every time <laughs> I get the guest early on this show. But uh, how was your uh, how was your Saturday? How was how was sloppy fairgrounds for you? Uh, it, it ended up working out pretty well. All, all uh, between uh, fairgrounds and Oakland, it was it was a pretty good afternoon for me. So it was re- really one of the first afternoons where I could actually sit down in front of the TV and just kind of handle the whole day with uh, you know because we really haven't had a chance to do that. You know, it's a lot of uh, peeking in on my phone or you know. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes here, 30 minutes here, but uh, so this really didn't have anything going on. And, you know, it snowed in the morning and we we're just kind of hunkered down for the day. So it's always, and my, my wife, she obviously knows I'm doing the podcast and with racing and all that. And we kind of just figure out it's like during triple crown season, cause I have Saturdays off. It's, I get to pick like one Saturday of the month of like where the biggest races are. And like, so usually it wasn't this week. So I was also doing the same thing, checking on my phone as you were. But it'll be like whatever the day is where it's like the three or four preps. There's one out, one out west, the New York one, and also Gulfstream. I try to pick yep. those major days to like really zero in and try and find stuff. Other than that, it's it's really for how bad Twitter is for me and just for other people. Like for how, to to like get through all the stuff. It's nice that you can just go on there two seconds after a race and not wait for you know Equibase or even to try to recheck mm-hmm. it on your Naira. And it's like okay, you know who the winner is. Yep, you know the winner. You can see, uh, you know, you know, replays up in, a, a, you know, a few. You know, you get the stretch run, you can get the whole replay in a couple minutes if you just keep scrolling, and so it is nice. Yeah. So obviously, beginning of the year, we're almost into March. But how is your betting gone so far for the year? I know you said this is kind of your first day to sit down and and, and watch and everything. But I had a nice talk with Marshall Sterling a couple weeks ago, and just talking about you know what our goals are for the year, and for me. With a, a track like Fairgrounds, first of all, you know, they put their race cards out so early in advance. Thank you again to the Fairgrounds for doing that. But 14 races, man, I, if I see that on a card, I'm really trying to narrow down to seven races. And hopefully within those seven, I can find, you know, a double or a pick three that I can attack. But other than that, like if you're trying to play 14 races, I mean, for the guys you're trying to hit, you know, 30% is a good day. I mean, you're still missing 
majority of the races here. What's your kind of attack with the big days like this with 14 races? Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, you know, when it's, it's such a long card and, you know, I know, you know, Mammoth does that for some of their big days, um, you know, in the summer. And it's, you know, it's fun when, when you're at the track there, but, but really when it's, it's, you know, far away and you're at, you're at home, you know, you, I really want to try and zero in on a couple races and then kind of, you know, if, if there's, you know, two or three races, I really have a solid opinion about, and then I'll try to kind of see what, where can I connect them? Does that, you know, is there, like you said, is there a double, is there a pick three, a pick four, where, where, where can we connect the dots there? For me as well, going in, obviously wet racetrack, how is, how do you feel you are when it's a wet racetrack? Do you feel like you kind of have some tips and tricks that maybe most handicappers do or don't use for me? Obviously I, I like to use the Tomlinson's. A lot of people don't like to use them. And for me, it's, it's all about if they have wet racetracks races, can they be over said track or at least, you know, on that, you know, current, um, like if it's Saratoga, I want to at least see, you know, at least it's on the New York tracks of Belmont or Aqueduct, but obviously a race over the track over that surface is always what's mostly key for me. For sure. There's, you know, it's, it's a bunch of different factors for me, but, but normally, you know, on a day like today where, where, you know, and especially, you know, I, I keep a pretty close eye on fairgrounds. I'm not playing it every day, but knowing that, you know, cause I'll, I'll cover Oakland over for the winter at, uh, in the money, and, you know, there's a decent amount of back and forth between the two tracks and a lot of the similar names. So, you know, I, I, it's always good to know what's going on there. But when, you know, it rains like that, normally I kind of, you know, kind of limp my way into the card where, you know, even if I have a strong opinion on the first race, if, if it's not really, you know, in, unless it is related to the surface, um, you know, I kind of wade my way in slow just to kind of get a feel for how the track's playing. Um, if it's, you know, different kinds of sloppy tracks, if it's, is it a sea of slop? Is it, you know, a track that's closer to good? And, uh, you know, is it a, is it favoring speed? Is it favoring outer lanes? You just don't know when, when the weather changes. So, so usually I try to give it a couple races and see if there's any trends in there. Um, but before, you know, moving forward and, you know, investing a little bit more, I just feel like it's always almost frustration when, especially if it hasn't rained the day before, you kind of don't have any idea on the track when you like races in those first, you know, you know, the early pick five, the first three Mm -hmm. races somewhere in there, it's always, even if let's say I'm going to use, you know, whatever the bankroll is, you know, 5% of a bet, you know, that being a best bet, Mm -hmm. I'll probably drop it half down and do like a 2.5 or even a 2% just because you just don't know how the track is playing. And that adds another, another mm-hmm. problem into it. And, you know, let's say the horse does win and, you know, it pays whatever. You just have to know like 5% and just higher ideas of your, of your bet tolerance. You can't play when there's already more stuff out of your control, a la wet track mm-hmm. or, you know, races off the turf, etc. You kind of have to really take an idea of like, okay, it's not so much limping in the car. I still have a good opinion. I just yeah. can't bet as much as I normally would. And that's unfortunate in this, in that mm-hmm. kind of instance. But let's jump into the first of our three races. We're going to talk about fairgrounds, as we've been talking about. Race number four it was a state bred maiden special weight, six furlongs on the dirt due to the slop. What do we like in this one, Eric? Ooh, th- th- this this was a, a tricky race, but but I, I felt pretty strongly against the two favorites in, in this race. Um, you know, I, I was surprised at how much action that the one he's just lucky w- was taking. 
Um, pr- pr- mostly because it was Louis Saez on, on the horse. Um, for, for me, I, I, I didn't like, I, I couldn't stand the rail draw for, for, you know, a lightly raced horse in, in the slop and they figured he probably had to go and, and there's going to be some other horses going with them. Um, and, and it, it, it was starting to look like maybe, you know, a couple of the outer lanes might be a little bit better than the inner lanes there. So, so I, I, I didn't touch the one. And I was also against the the eleven. Wish carefully. Um, you, you know, kind of getting back to the conversation of you know what are things that we're trying that you know trying to do this year as a handicapper. Um, you know, wish carefully is a horse that I, I think I would get su- a kind of horse I'd get sucked into playing. Um, you know, buyer figures are, are decent. They're certainly the best in the field, but but never really looks like a winner. Um, and you know, you know, kind of picking up some of those races, kind of. Picking up checks, but never really threatening to win those races. And uh, honestly, I, I thought that the uh, maiden race that uh, Benji Star, Causeway Benny, and and he's just lucky were coming out of the one on on the LeCompte card last month. I thought that was just a better race. Um, and l- looking at the horses that came out of that race that that won, uh, Son of a Ship won in the uh, in a state bred allowance race. Brittany's Dream, who was second in that race, came back to break her break uh, maiden in the next start. Um, so, so I thought that was a better race than those two races that, uh, wish carefully was in. So, uh, that, and then also compounded with the fact that his worst career race came in the slop, everything was just kind of lining up to just not use that one at all. So, um, it, it was more of a spread race for me. Um, my topic was the nine Alvarado cat, um, r- ran on turf in, on the debut, uh, back on new year's Eve for Brett Calhoun. Brett Calhoun's horses typically don't. They're they're not fully cranked first time out, and you go back and watch them and put splinkers on. I I thought would would run a much better race today, and and the price was there. I think think ended up get going off. I want to say ended up going off around fourteen to one. So, mm-hmm. so I, I I thought that was a good value on that horse. Um, then I also put uh, Benji Star and Causeway Benny, the third and fourth place finishers from that uh, same maiden race um, on on the Lecomte day. Um, you know, again, it was interesting. Benji Star, Causeway Benny, they were all close in the wild on the wire, but they did finish in front of. He's just lucky, and and I thought that they figured to sit a better trip in this race. So I put those three on the A line, um, and then I thought backing up, I, I looked at the two two of the first time starters, uh, Vegas Star, uh, you know, Star Guitar uh, in the slop in these new uh, Louisiana bred races. Shane Wilson doesn't have great numbers with first time starters, but but the barn wins a decent amount at the meet. Um, so, so I thought he was worth putting on a few tickets. And then uh, the 10, LaRue, you know, any anytime you see one of these, you know, state-bred horses in you know, uh, Louisiana, Arkansas, some of the smaller states with, uh, um, you know, good state-bred racing programs. But anytime you see them going for 400000 at one of the sales, mm-hmm. you know, the, those, you know, high six-figure numbers, you know that that's a horse that, that – they're they're intending more to just run that horse in, you know, state bred maiden races at the fairgrounds. So, so I, I I thought that would be a good horse to use too. So I, I put those two on the B line, but most of my tickets were centered around uh, nine, six, seven. I think for me, we'll start off with just the two ideas that you had with the two favorites. I, I think I like the one a little bit more than the outside favorite, just because I, I know it's on the rail and it's sloppy, but this one had a pretty quick pace figure. And at least I don't think this one's going to get buried on the rail in slop, getting stuff kicked in him. And that obviously 
happened. It didn't happen this time, but this one got out to a small lead. Uh, I thought that one of the outside horses that was interesting was LaRue. Uh, 394 Tomlinson for people who still use those those wonderful Tomlinson numbers. And just the workouts looked good. You know, 48 and fours, and then a quick little blowout there. The last two out of the gate. They got the gate workouts through. 36% with a $3 ROI for this trainer-jockey combo. For a horse that was, not, again, like you said, 150,000 stud fee, but went for 400,000. I just thought that this one, on these types of days, when I don't like either of the two favorites, and also wish carefully as well, you said the worst number was in the slop, has already lost twice as a fav- like as a short-priced horse of two to one or less. So the more times they lose like that, the more times I think you can take that, you know, everyone goes, oh, well, he's going to win this time. He's ran second twice. Take the opposite approach, and you know if it beats you this time, finally good. But in a race like this with already bad circumstances and a bad race to boot, I just thought Wish Carefully was for sure the weaker of the two favorites. And I just thought LaRue, a first-time starter here for Sherry DeVoe and uh, John Velasquez, would kind of be a solid key for me. So for myself, it is LaRue. It's Benji Starr and a slew of others for Eric. Let's see who gets it done in the fourth right now. Causeway Benny broke sharp, along with a chromed-out cat who starts a bid right there, wish carefully, and toward the inside. He's just lucky, and Alvarado Cat is also forcing the issue. It's he's just lucky with the rail for Luis Saez. Went to the front from a chromed-out cat, and Alvarado Cat is a close third. Nope, not tonight. Running in fourth with on the outside, Benji Starr in fifth as they dash past the half mile. Then toward the inside, St. Gabriel wide, wish carefully, was racing three clear from Cause Benny in the back half after a sharp start. Hennessy Wild with the rail, was racing five clear from Kevman, and then comes LaRue from post 10 on debut with the rail being ridden to gain, and the newcomer Vega Star trails the maiden three-year-old dozen. The opening quarter, 21.76 seconds as they come to the top of the stretch. It's He's Just Lucky, who leads for home past the quarter pole from a sweeping Benji Star. Alvarado Cat has the white blinkers on the front outside Causeway Benny and Wish Carefully looks to get involved. Half mile in 45.46 seconds. It is Benji Star who's taken the lead here for David Cohen and has pulled clear now from He's Just Lucky. Then Alvarado Cat, St. Gabriel with the rail. Causeway Benny Wish Carefully in tight quarters. It's Benji Star. Benji Star raced away. Benji Star scores by five. And it is Benji Star getting the job done. 1160. The winning mutual looking at 72 for the winning buyer. Your man, Alvarado cat, your top choice ends up improving the buyer a ton. Like you said, it's, it's always nice when an angle kind of pops through where they don't run well first time out and you're like, well, they don't usually have them cranked. Let's see them improve that buyer second time. Nice value. Second horse here at 14 to one. Uh, unfortunately, my favorite did not run well. A 28 buyer is not going to get it done five to one. I'm still okay with the horse in that, in this kind of aspect. But as we said, both favorites down in flames, and you get a solid $10 winner to, to uh, start off this fourth race. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was. I, I think it definitely kind of confirmed that that maybe the inside wasn't the best place to be on the card. Um, you know, you, you wanted to, you know, three, four, five path out in, in the, those stretch runs seemed to be the better place. Um, but ben, Benji Starr, I think, just much the best in this race. Uh, was pleased to see Alvarado Cat run that nice race. Uh, you know, Brett Calhoun, real good number, second time start, uh, you know, almost 20% the last year, uh, with the second time starters. Um, so, so, so that would be a horse I would look at playing again. I just kind of got a little too close to a, a pretty, it was a pretty strong pace for the way the track was playing. I think as well, and just two key moments for me in this, uh, 
Benji Starr, nice 72 buyer, but wasn't like how you usually see when it's a sloppy winner where they go from like a 25 buyer to a 72 or something like mm-hmm. that or a 79. Um, the fact that there's only a 12 point increase and it's its second start, you're obviously going to get better. And that's usually right around it. They say about eight, eight to 10 points is, is good improvement. I think a lot of people here will go, Oh, top buyer last out was, you know, on the slop. This horse may not be that good, but if you look back through, I mean, it was tied for second best buyer last time out. It was Benji star with a 60. We have Causeway Benny with a 60 and then wish carefully had a couple better numbers. I think that this race, a lot of people will say, you know, Oh, you know, this horse just ran a better sloppy race than everyone. I think for a fact that this horse coming out of that key race is the more important thing to talk about and how important key races are going forward. Now we've seen multiple, multiple winners out of that. Maybe it's not so much that, that listen, there's going to be other runners coming out of that race as well, but look at what those three horses hitting the board did going forward. You know, Benji star might not be as bad as that third place finish looked back on the debut. And I think going forward, this is going to be the kind of race where, if you look at it, Benji is probably as good as the 72. Probably did face an overmatched field. You have the second place horse switching surfaces, first time dirt. I think a lot of the horses underneath that are still the most dirt runners are ones that I wouldn't take going forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think, well, yeah, Benji Starr also one that um, really did not break well mm-hmm. um, in, in that debut. So, so w- when you look at, you know, finishing pretty close on the wire with, uh, um, Causeway Benny, and he's just lucky. You know, he he definitely had to work a little bit harder than the two of them. Which, and then when when you look at, uh, you know, he's just lucky. I I I don't have the chart in front of me, but but at one point I think he was down to almost two to one, and and you're getting almost five to one on Benji Star. So so the the value was definitely there. Let's move on to the next race of this podcast. Race number nine from the fairgrounds is another maiden special way. Is one on one sixteenth miles. On the dirt, I think in this one for me, I just, I have a couple, but I thought the number six, Antiquarian, Todd Pletcher, John Velasquez. Listen, I'm just on the John Velasquez train this podcast, apparently. 83, <laughs> 83 last time, finished just beating half a length. Four to one, solid price you got on this one. We know Todd improves from second time out. I just didn't see anything else that would run around this one, and this one was already likely to be forwardly placed. And I just didn't see anything else that I was truly afraid of. I thought a little interesting horse. I thought funny flame at a big price could come in. I just like this one, you know, had a couple seconds was clearly missing. Did get beat pretty badly last time, but that 154 pace figure. And then they take the blinkers off. Obviously this one was a little bit keyed up last time, but I just thought that maybe Shane Wilson had finally figured this guy out to maybe not have these crazy quick, ideas so for me funny flame definitely underneath use but antiquarian for me on top for sure what about you eric yeah i, I mean i i thought that this was a two-horse race but between you know it was pletcher it was cox um you know i i really tried to find another direction to go and you know i feel like there was a lot of yeah but horses um like horses that that look like maybe you know Maybe worth you know, taking a chance, but there, there's just something that 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 you don't like. Um, I, I didn't like the blinkers off for Funny Flame. Um, you know, I, I know it's the the rail probably not the best place to be, but it wasn't really a ton of speed in this race, and I, I thought that that was his best weapon for for this field. So so that that was kind of a turnoff for me, and and I really did not when, when he ran into Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I, I he just just folded badly that day. 
really just didn't like that race at all. Um, so, so I, I opted not to use him. I, I, I couldn't talk myself on just a freak. Um, you know, he, he ran into Nash when he had that big race two back and, and then really didn't run back to that in his next start. Um, you know, sweet talking bourbon was, you know, another one of these horses that, that just kind of never was close to hall of fame, mm-hmm. but picks up a check for, for second. It's a nice buyer. But uh, again, I, I just, compared to the the, the Pletcher and, and the Coxhorse uh, Cornishman, who who I did make as my top pick, um, I, I just didn't think it was going to stack up very well. Um, I, I thought the distance pedigree may, maybe a little bit more towards Cornishman's, so I gave him the slight advantage. Um, but but I was pretty much, it was Antiquarian or uh, Cornishman for me, um, for, you know, and trying to find value somewhere else. <laughs> A little bit of a face-off between the two favorites here. Cornishman for Eric. For me, I'm going to go with Antiquarian. Must be my New York roots there going for Johnny V and Todd as well. Let's see who gets it done and breaks their maiden right now. Just a freak broke sharp. Right there toward the inside is Funny Flame. Antiquarian is close to Just a Freak as they make their way toward the first turn. And El Magnifico, three wide. Sweet Talking Bourbon is four wide and... Cornishman in the royal blue looks to uh, angle in toward the inside parts of the track there, but kept out was uh, Cornishman with seven furlongs to run. It's just a freak. So with Tyler Gaffleone, just a freak went to the front from Antiquarian, who follows the leader. El Magnifico just in third. Funny Flame is fourth. Sweet Token Bourbon in fifth. Django in the green cap is sixth with the rail. Then comes Sabi with the Ron Giroux in the Godolphin blue. On the outside, it's Cornishman who's covering a lot of ground, Cornishman, while second to last, and Elko County trails. The opening quarter in 24.90 seconds at the four and a half. It's still Just a Freak. Just a Freak leads as Johnny Velasquez keeps Antiquarian right there focused in on the leader with El Magnifico and Funny Flame together. Django saving ground in fifth. Then on the outside is Sweet Talk and Bourbon in sixth. Sabi is seventh. Cornishman wide both turns, but starting to move now. Cornishman, the son of Curlin, coming up past rivals. And he's gone past Sweet Talk and Bourbon and Django. Sabi is now second to last. And finally, Elko County hard ridden as Antiquarian comes to take on Just a Freak. Right there is El Magnifico. And Cornishman continues to circle them as they turn for home. The half was 49.34. Three quarters, woman at 14.29 seconds. It's Antiquarian. Antiquarian has forged ahead of Just a Freak with El Magnifico. Kurdishman is over here on the stand side. And then comes Funny Flame. Uh, Father out is Elko County and Sweet Talk in Bourbon. It's Antiquarian past the 16th. El Magnifico. And on the outside, it's Cornishman with Johnny Velasquez. Antiquarian. And it is Antiquarian getting the job done, paying a solid 660. The buyer 80 decreases a little bit. And it, it's weird in this race because. Cornishman improves the buyer. I decline a little bit, but I think just for me overall, especially with the sloppy track as well, I just want horses that are going to be at the front and aren't going to get slop kicked in their face the entire race. Sure. Uh, and, and, and I think both horses show that they, they, they I mean, they show they can handle the off track. Mm-hmm. They show they can get two turns. So I, I don't anticipate Cornishman being a maiden much longer. I think antiquarian. I know that they're, they're considering, uh, you know what one of the derby stakes races um which feels like a you know i would have liked to seen maybe a little more out of him to to you know go right into one of those uh, you know louisiana derby mm-hmm. or you know one of those types of races next um but i, I certainly can't blame him either because it was a nice win i think as well too just looking at it and like you said cornishman probably not gonna be made much longer 
there's always the, the hard thing for me with these guys who go under, you know, sub two to one. Are they always going to find the one horse that can beat them? And I mm-hmm. think if Cornishman can just keep improving, you know, getting through that low 80, he's going to find the right field where he's either going to win by a nose or lose by a nose. And the, after a while, those horses, you know, even if he has to run five or six times, those horses don't just keep coming around where they're just the one better horse. And he's going to find a weaker field. You're probably not going to get, you know, amazing odds. But if you can find it one time where he's even money, even and he's the sole fi- figure in that in that field, you know, four dollars, you know, it's nothing to, you know, shake a foot at, but at least you're going to find a solid price there in a single where it doesn't, you know, rack your brain that hard to find the winner. Yeah. And, and then again, you know, kind of, kind of like what we talked about earlier, if, if, if you are solid with that one, you know, may, maybe you can kind of connect those dots and, and catch that price in the right before or right after that. Let's talk about the last race in this pod. Race number 14 is the grade two risen star one and one eighth miles on the dirt. I'll just kind of go over. I just, when I looked at it, I just thought Hall of Fame, Track Phantom, these type of horses here were just the ones to go. Steve Asmus and Ricardo Santana, 94 off that 66. And yes, I know I'm not looking to take horses with giant buyers, but I just kind of thought when this one's, you know, $1.4 million gun runner, he should like the distance, you know, a big improve on the buyer to that speed. I'm just looking for this one at six to one. It's just the price. Track Phantom, if he stayed above the three to one, I would have made another one who's just slowly improving. And, you know, again, Steve Asmussen, if they've got two in the race, one, why run two and one will do? I thought maybe these two were a little bit equal. I didn't want to not have one without the other, as long as the odds were right for me. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I I uh, wrote about this race pretty in, in, in detail on the in the money blog. Um, I, I and Hall of Fame was was the one for me too. I re- really liked that race where where it just kind of took took it to the field. It was a, it was a strong early pace, and he just kept going, which which you know kind of explains that that buyer figure there. Um, I, I just kind of thought when looking at this race, it, it seemed like there, there were three horses that I would see on the lead and that, then a lot of horses that want to lay back. Um, I, I thought B dancer would, would kind of could be the X factor in this race that that could really be the horse that pushes track phantom. Cause he really hasn't had that horse in his last couple of starts. Um, and, and with Cardinal to his, to his inside, um, all three of them kind of having to go. I, I, I thought Hall of Fame, he's not going to duel with the stable mate. So I, I thought he really kind of would, would sit that kind of cozy, you know, pocket trip um, and be able to tip out and, and kind of get a run on some of those closers in, in a race where, where the pace might not be as strong as uh, it, it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where he, I ended up putting him on top. Um, yeah, Sierra Leone, I, well, let me say that I, I kind of thought that, that there, there were really, there were five horses that, that I thought had a chance of winning this race. And, and it kind of came down to that, you know, looking at a couple of the different prep races and, you know, the Remsen and the Kentucky jockey club, you know, one week apart, I, I just, I thought the Remsen was a considerably better race. I know the buyer figures came back pretty much the same. Um, but, you know, you look at how some of the horses are performing out of the Remsen. Yeah. It, it was a muddy sealed track that day. Um, and I, I thought both Dornock and Sierra Leone just, just ran huge races that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought Sierra Leone really it, it ran too good to obviously to lose, uh, you know, it was a little, little kind of skittish in the last couple strides there, allowing Dornock back in the race. But, but I, I think with that little bit of immaturity question is, was he going to get enough of a pace here to, to close into, um, I certainly thought it would be possible, but, um, so he, he was on the A line for me. 
I I liked catching freedom as as a beeline horse in here. It was, it was my third pick. Just kind of give give me a little bit of uh, Angel of Empire vibes from, mm-hmm. from last year. Uh, a little 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 costlier, a little better uh, pedigree, but kind kind of improving. Same kind of race coming out of a, a strong race at Oaklawn, and then then coming into this race. Um, and you know, Brad Cox's horses tend to you know he, he gets these horses to grow. Uh, that's that's for sure. So uh, so I thought he was uh, had a live look. Um, you know, like I, I like track, track Phantom a lot as a horse. I, I think he's a neat horse, but he, he's run the exact same race the last two starts where, where he's had that outside post and mm-hmm. he breaks so nice and nobody challenges. I, I couldn't believe Nash didn't challenge him last time out and it, you know, just, just kind of wound up being an easy win in the Lecomte. Um, I, I just think that this is a tougher field for him and if, if, he's, if he's kind of idling at the same buyer figures, I, I, I thought he was more of an underneath play for me. Hall of Fame for me and Eric. Let's see who gets it done in the Risen Star right now. And they're off in the Risen Star Stakes. And there's Cardinal with for the inside Awesome Runa. Hall of Fame is up close. And here's Trek Phantom going for an early bid as they make their way toward the first turn. It's Trek Phantom. So Trek Phantom is just faster than Cardinal. Hall of Fame with resilience and bead dancer in the gold cap and sleeves. Saving ground is Awesome Ruta. With on the outside chasing freedom and they have seven furlongs to run. And then toward the inside saving ground is Real Men Violin as they go to the back of this sloppy track. And Sierra Leone settles in in the Navy Silks. Three clear from Moonlight who's next. Well, four clear from toward the inside. Honor Marie and Tizzy Indy has dropped back to trail the dozen. The first two of nine furlongs in 24.32 seconds with Joel Rosario. It's Trek Phantom who made the top. So Trek Phantom leads them to a half mile from home in the Risen Star Stakes. From right there toward the inside, Cardinal with resilience up close. And then comes in between horses, Hall of Fame, Real Men Violin, and on the far outside, B-Dancer. B-Dancer wide both turns. Awesome Bruto with Chasing Freedom, Sierra Leone. Moonlight, Honor Marie. The trailer remains, Tinsy Indy. Half mile for Track Phantom. 49.67 seconds as they round the far turn. It's Trek Phantom. Trek Phantom continues to hold on to this advantage as Hall of Fame starts a bit outside of resilience. Toward the inside is Cardinal Awesome Ruta. Chasing Freedom is four wide. B-Dancer, Real Men, Violin toward the inside as they turn for home after three quarters in 1 minute 14.74 seconds. Track Phantom charging on the outside is resilience. Hall of Fame flattens out. Chasing Freedom trying to keep a straight path and Sierra Leone charging hard on the outside. It's Track Phantom. Resilience chasing freedom in tight quarters between horses. Sierra Leone on the outside for Tyler Gaffleone. Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone Track track Phantom down. And it is Sierra Leone who gets the job done. Solid 90 buyer looking at a 740 mutual. Listen, Track Phantom's going to keep her on that 89-90 figure. He didn't get it done today. Uh, Hall of Fame just didn't have it as well. You know, that's the kind of thing where we, you, you like the high buyer, but when it's a 30-point difference, you have no idea if they're going to just keep improving, stay the same, or take that, you know, mm-hmm. unceremonious drop. You know, Sierra Leone off that layoff. And you said another thing, you know, I think the overarching idea of this podcast is, you know, the winner in the in the fourth and the winner here, you know, coming out of just stronger or key races in general mm-hmm. really shows, you know, I think a lot of people nowadays don't look at class handicapping you know, by going through in the key races and taking notes in formulator, that's why it's so important for me to have formulator. Uh, these are two, I think that just are, you know, listen, it's, it's under three, it's a, it's a five to two horse, but if you hit three out of 10, you know, you're making some profits. So Sierra Leone some, had some nice ideas here 
coming out of that Rumson race. Yeah, uh, I, he he was closer to the pace. I mean, he was he wasn't close to the pace, but he he wasn't you know dawdling at the back of the pack. Just more into the race a little bit more, and, and maybe that's that's part of the blinkers well that that Chad Brown put on. Um, but 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 this, this is a nice horse. Um, and lo- looking forward, looks like their uh, bluegrass is going to be next for him. So, so looking forward to seeing him there. Um, rough trip for Hall of Fame. Just just kind of yeah. had to tap on the brakes in that first turn. Got in real tight in in that, and then you know it's kind of one of those things. He's down on the rail in tight. Um, you know, getting mud in his face. Uh, just didn't didn't run his race there. I he's a horse I would consider coming back to uh, next time out, depending on the circumstance, though. I will say this, and listen, I picked track fan, and I also had uh, Hall of Fame on there. Hall of Fame mm-hmm. just took too much money in this race for for a horse that's run a sixty mm-hmm. and a ninety. It, I need at least ten dollars. I know I'm, I'm I'm picking about I'm you know thinking pennies here when it, it almost went off as as a ten dollar you know four to one shot there. Uh, just too too much odds, and then track phantom. You know, if he runs that ninety, it's gotten it done before, and you're getting three to one. I just think overall, when I look at those two horses again, I should have maybe saved some money and just you know bet track phantom as my, as my sole play in here. Just mm-hmm. you know, I think you're exactly right. I think now Hall of Fame's going to come back, and he probably will be that six to one that he should that he was on the morning line today. And I think he's definitely one that I'm going to look forward to next time as well. Yeah, I, I think. Uh... You know, he said he he definitely wasn't going to track, uh, wasn't going to challenge track fandom. Uh, you know, Rosario ha- has a real nice. You know, he gets that horse out, and and that horse quickly. It doesn't matter if if it's post six, post seven, or post eleven. I think it was. He's out there and he's on the lead, and you you could see Santana what wasn't going to challenge him. So so, I, I think maybe if he's in a race where where he's you know maybe not in the same race as that horse might have a better shot. Wonder if they're thinking maybe Arkansas with him, you know, looking at some of the mm-hmm. horses that Asmussen is sending out in the uh, rebel this week, not, not his strongest group that, that is coming in there. So, so got, got to wonder if, if maybe keeping, I, I think the plan is to keep tra- track phantom locally. Wonder if they, they, they're thinking about maybe uh, taking, heading over to hot springs with uh, hall of fame. Can't agree more with you there. That is all the time that we have for today's podcast. I do want to thank my special guest, Eric Solomon for coming on. Eric, what do you got cooking over on In the Money Media, if not this week going forward with uh, the Triple Crown Trail? Well, uh, this week uh, it is Rebel Week, so, so I've every every card uh, at Oaklawn so far having having a real strong meet there. So uh, really enjoying a lot of the racing down there. So some of the best field size in the country right now. And hey, when it rains there, I don't have to worry about them taking races off the turf at least. Um, <laughs> And that, then in addition, we're doing uh, horse-by-horse coverage of every Derby points race in North America. So we'll have that up uh, for the Rebel Stakes. Uh, that should be up and posted uh, by Friday, if not sooner. Uh, and then, then a big week next week, the following week, with uh, four Derby points races, uh, Gulfstream, uh, um, Santa Anita, New York, and then out in Turfway as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can see uh, Pete's got you burning the midnight oil. Good luck going forward, my man, and we, uh, we'll we talk soon, all right? Sounds good. Hey, take care. Good to talk to you, Spencer. I want to go ahead and thank everyone who listens to this show and the rest of the podcast on the In The Money Media Network. Also want to thank my special guest, Eric Solomon, for coming on talking all things fairgrounds with yours truly. This show is been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's president is Peter Thomas Fornatale. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin, and our In The Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl. We will see you next time.